0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.
1: I was like, well, what are they doing? Like, where are they going to go? There's huts everywhere. Like, where are they going to go? And she said, well, Verida, which is my grandmother, she's like, Berida has climbed a coconut tree. To She's climbed the highest one she can find, which was just hilarious to me because, first of all, it's like, if a tsunami's coming, please don't be up a coconut tree.
2: That's Marita Davies. And while her grandma's seeking higher ground up a coconut tree, she's on the other side of the world, nearly 14,000 kilometres away, contemplating just how distant she really is from her Kiribati culture. This is Days Like These, and I'm Farza Draki. Today's episode is about searching for that missing connection with your motherland. Find the gap
1: between a train and a platform.
0: Marita Davies is in her mid 20s living in London at the tail end of a British winter when she gets the call. It's 2011. I was just trying to figure out what I was doing with my life. So I was temping a lot.
1: I don't know, I had this crazy job where I was working in a super high-rise building. Um, I was the executive assistant for a global HR manager of a global media agency. I had an office next door to the CEO of this massive, <laughs> massive company and I'm just, you know, it's London, it's bleak outside and, you know, I'm on the top floor and I was the... HR assistant and I didn't even know what
0: HR stood for at the time. Marita says she was winging it as she managed the yearly bonuses for all of the global directors and she says it's the most boring job she's ever had. HR is
1: awful. But I was having the time of my life like I was single and doing whatever I wanted at whatever time I wanted living with great housemates So it was just, yeah, I was kind of living a good life and even my job really wasn't that great, but at the same time, I knew it wasn't forever. She gets a tattoo. It says love and fear, though the F is fading and it looks like love and pear, but I think (laughs) I like that. Marita remembers thinking, this is the least responsible I will ever be in my life. But that
0: feeling of being so free of burden is about to change. Tonight, Japan is quite literally shaken to its core. At 2.45 p.m.
1: local time, the biggest earthquake in the country's history, struck 80 miles off the nation's northeast coast.
2: Then, from the vastness of the sea, there is a threat more menacing still. A wall of water more than 20 feet high advances across the ocean at speeds of up to 500 miles an hour, the speed of a jet aircraft.
1: It's too early to establish a death toll but it is certain to be in the thousands.
0: Marita watches the news with horror, but the disaster doesn't really hit home until her phone rings. It's her mum. Yeah, she called me from
1: Australia and said, Did you hear about the earthquake in Japan? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I heard about it. What, you know, does it... Do you know anyone in Japan? I don't think you do, and mum said no, they think that because of the tsunami, they think it's going to cause big waves across the Pacific.
0: Marita is from Kiribati. It's a collection of 32 atolls and one large island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. That island, Barnaba, has been stripped bare from phosphate mining by Great Britain, Australia and New Zealand, which forced all but a few to leave. But it's the highest point in Kiribati at around 81 metres. The crowded capital of Tarawa, along with the rest of the atolls, sit no more than three metres above sea level.
2: As we speak, the tsunami wave is making its way across the Pacific. They
1: think it's going to cause big waves across the Pacific. What, what, what does that mean? Like... What do you mean, like big waves across the Pacific? What does that mean? And mum's like, I don't know. I don't know. know, but Kiribati could be wiped out. We don't know. Maybe, Ma- maybe that's, that's what, what people, people are saying. Mean. I'm not sure. I'm not and sure. I was like, what do you mean, wiped out? Like, wiped out.
0: Like, I didn't understand what that meant. It meant that Kiribati could be washed away, drowned by huge waves in the wake of the tsunami. realisation is overwhelming, and so is the reality, because Marita, living in a flat in chilly London on the other side of the world, is suddenly confronted with the fear of losing a culture she hasn't fully embraced. I grew up down in Victoria, in Gippsland,
1: so about three hours east of Melbourne, in a country town called Sale. Growing up in Australia wasn't really connected to my culture. Even though I had gone to Kitabas a number of times throughout my childhood, um, I grew up, you know, wanting to assimilate into Australian culture. Inside Marita's childhood home, though, Kitabas was part of the furniture. Kitabas mats everywhere, Kitabas fans everywhere. Mum was, there were certain phrases that mum would use in the house that were, like Kitabas, like, which is, hold my hand like crossing the road, or which is move over, please, or which is give me the knife. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very violent, but, you know, it was used in the kitchen context.
0: But still, Marita didn't feel Ikirabas. Even at uni, when a friend from PNG would refer to her as her islander sister, deep down, Marita felt like an outsider. And especially if I went to Kitabas, I was...
1: Um, what they refer to as Imathang, which is white person. And also I didn't really speak the language. She describes stepping off the plane there and having people stare. Everyone's looking at you from the viewing area, being like, that's an Imathang, what are they here for? And I'm looking at them like, I'm a kitabas. like I am a kitabas. And so, yeah, I felt like in between, I suppose. Mm-hmm. The, what do they call it, the third culture kid.
2: Good evening. Uh, full coverage of, of that quake in Japan. So we've been hearing hundreds of people have been killed. Many more are missing. We'll be watching closely as the aftershocks are felt across the Pacific and Southeast Asia.
0: Marita's mum is in a panic, and Marita's asking her what the family's going to do. Would they stay? Would they leave? Where would they go? And she said, well... Derida, which is my grandmother, she's like, Derida has climbed a coconut tree.
1: She climbed the highest ones she could find. You know, to give people a, a broader sense of what Derida is kind of like, she's kind of like the grandma in Moana, like this sort of stooped over brown woman with white hair. And to just think of her climbing up a tree is ridiculous. And I think she, oh, I think she even forgot her... False teeth, and so she sent like a kid to go and get the false teeth and then climbed up the coconut tree to give them to her. And then she like kicked him back down the tree and was like, This is my tree. And like, and mum's like on the phone to relatives in Kiriwas, mum's in Australia, and is like,
0: Tell her to get out of the tree, it's not a great place to be. While her 70 something year old grandmother is up a tree seeking higher ground, world news keeps swirling and warning of danger in the Pacific. And there are stories everywhere about the absolute devastation the earthquake and tsunami are bringing.
2: A 10-metre high wall of water inland, flooding towns, crushing buildings and cars in so its wake. So large
0: weight. swathes Germany's of the northeast place. of Japan have literally been
2: swept away by... Uh, uh, we're also now hearing that a small radiation leak could occur at the Fukushima nuclear plant. Pressure in pressure. reactor number one built up, then it exploded.
0: More than 19,000 people were killed. More than 6,000 were injured and more than 2,500 were missing. Tens of thousands more were displaced. And that phone call from Marita's mum was really a wake-up call that her country could face the same devastation. Um, I feel like
1: I'm going to tear up. So I think that call just really sparked something in me because us doesn't have very many people. There's about, I think, I think there's about one hundred and fifty thousand, maybe two hundred thousand of us in the world. Sorry, and that, um, so that call, I just suddenly had this overwhelming thought. Like, that's first of all, that's my family, who I don't get to see very often, but, um, but it's also. That means that I'm one of those people that isn't affected and so I suddenly have to carry culture. Like, I'm suddenly a Kitabas person that's not there and what is the weight of holding that um, when if the land is gone...
2: The waves surging across the Pacific led to a full alert. Dozens of countries feared they'd be devastated. But as each hour has passed and the tsunami has reached further, there have been no reports of damage beyond Japan.
0: After a day or two of dread, wondering if Kitabas would be hit, there's calm. The waves predicted to wipe out the islands. They never eventuated. Thankfully, the
1: tides didn't. Um, get as high as what they were thinking it would.
0: And Kitabas didn't go, thank goodness. But she'd faced losing a culture she'd never truly known and she was no longer going to be a stranger to it. So in a grey and drizzly London, she starts trying to find a way to bridge the divide.
1: So I thought, I'll start a blog. At the time, blogs were a, a big thing, so... Yeah, I started a blog called The Little Island That Could.
0: She didn't know where that blog would lead or what it would become. Marita says she was just writing for her own clarity. She'd always been the type of person who journaled every day, who found putting pen to paper the best way to process things, who found stories the deepest way to connect. So she started writing stories about her family, her country and different parts of her culture. Like the dancing. If you haven't experienced Kitabas dancing,
1: you really should once in your life because it, because it is the most amazing thing you'll ever see. The women dance like the frigate bird, so all of their movements reflect the bird. And the men, they dance like fishermen or the movements of the canoe. and everyone throws themselves into it pretty much and the whole crowd's like once if you get excited it is encouraged to scream at the dancers to keep them going and it gets faster and faster and it's it's incredibly breathtaking
0: Marita says Kitabas is a place where elders and their stories are respected and cherished, where babies and small kids are always at weddings being passed around. where you are likely to run into a distant relative. They say, where are you from? What island are you from? Which means not on the main island. What
1: island are you from? Who's your family? Oh, I think we're cousins. You know, those (laughs) kind of conversations.
0: And she says it's a place where everyone in the village wants to know what you're up to.
1: If you go to Kiribati, if anyone goes to Kiribati and you're walking along the main road, someone will probably yell out to you, which means, where are you going? Like, So it's kind of like a hello of like, where are you going? What are you doing? And suddenly it's everyone else's business.
0: Okay. Which also means everyone's looking out for you. <laughs> Rita says the Ikiribati just love a laugh.
1: I've never heard so much laughing in my life, like it's just... <laughs> And so,
0: yeah, it's a joyous, joyous culture. <laughs> the Little Island that Could was how Marita came to know the Kid of Us side of herself and how she became a writer. Maybe I call it my apprenticeship. <laughs> and
1: um, yeah, so it kind of changed my career and um, I suppose that sense of identity as well. So
0: those things were quite in tangent with each other. About a year and a half after the 2011 earthquake and tsunami, Marita returned to Kitabas in November 2012. It was so hot, so sweaty and so sunny, everything opposite to the London monotone. And this time, it felt different. I wasn't being treated as an Imatang anymore.
1: I was being treated as Diyate, my mother, Diyate's daughter, which meant, you know, picking kids up, from school, buying things at the supermarket cousins coming up to ask me for money when they wouldn't usually because it's impolite to ask the white people for money but they were coming up and asking me staying up late having card games with the aunties, just having long conversations so it was kind of my first time um, especially not relying
0: on my mum for the language barrier she travelled to her grandmother's island and was initiated there by the four spirits. There's the spirit of the north, south,
1: east and west and as soon as you land on Madake you have to go to each point of the island to eat and there's a statue there and you have to introduce yourself to the statue and say why you are visiting, who are your ancestors and you also leave a a gift and that gift... At the time, it can be different things, but the traditional thing is a little stick of tobacco, and then after that, you dig into the sand of the northern point of the of the island, and you drink the salt water, and hopefully that water tastes fresh. If not, then you're out. (laughs) Um, But if it tastes like fresh water, um, then you're welcome to stay, and so thankfully. Tasted fresh
0: for me, so I stayed. For Marita, it's a disaster story with a happy ending. That threat from the tsunami of Kitabas being swallowed by the sea had given her a missing connection with her culture. For Kiribati itself, though, that ending wasn't quite so neat. <laughs>
1: Days later, Joate stands back and looks at her wall. She is very proud. Her wall is tall, her wall is strong. Soon the waves of the ocean begin to swell. They're getting very big and bold.
2: Please don't destroy my wall.
0: In 2015, Marita published a children's book called Teote and the Wall. It's based on her mum's story of building and rebuilding a seawall around their home to protect it. Their place in Kiribati is right on the water. And when Teote was growing up, there was no need for a seawall. As an adult, she remembers looking at her home.
1: And there was this big wave that came in and just, just took a chunk piece of my land and dumped it into the, onto the reef. And I thought to myself, I need to do something about this.
0: So she built a seawall on her own, working with the tides over years. Others in the village followed her lead. You can see these kinds of walls everywhere, even before you land in Kitabas. I was filming my mum for something. I wanted to get her,
1: um, get her on film for a project. And I said, mum, can you... Talk about climate change. And Mum's like, Yeah, yeah, I'll um I'll talk about that. just But she said, Oh, the seawall has like, you know, it's crashed. I got it, got a text from my cousin. Like the part of the seawall around the house has crashed and um we're gonna have to fix that. We're gonna have to find the money to get that. And I was like, Oh, okay. So climate change mum, like, let's get on to that. <laughs> like, and Mum's like, Oh yeah yeah, sorry, sorry, you know.
0: Okay. Um, yep. Yeah. Marita says her family in Kitabas doesn't necessarily use words like climate change. When she first asked her uncle about it, he looked at her like, What? But then the next day, he came in from fishing and
1: he was like, Oh, that sun is getting closer. It's that sun's getting close. And I was like, What does that mean? And he's like, The weather's getting hotter. We can feel it. Like the weather's You know, the sun feels like it's closer.
0: Marita says it was then she understood how much of an innate sense of the environment the Ikiribas have. They feel the changes every generation, every season, every day. They aren't part of the people that are contributing
1: to the fossil fuels in this world. They're not contributing to the huge environmental impacts that
0: they are on the front lines of. They've listened to their land. The Western world hasn't. And so the sun is getting closer. It means the waters
1: are warmer, which means the fishing capacity is changing. And, you know, the fish that want to be in the cooler waters move towards the cooler waters and they're too warm, closer to the, um, on the coral reefs that Kitabas is surrounded by and sits on. It means that they have less time fishing in the daylight um, because they can't go in the heat of the sun. So there's less fishing time, which impacts the food the feeding of their families and it's not just one family or it's not just you know the the western sense of family here in terms of your household you know not feeding your family means you're not feeding 60 people and the
0: rising sea levels are impacting the most basic need. Fresh water is being
1: contaminated with seawater so then fresh water starts to become a more rare and rare thing. crash, smash the waves break against Diyote's wall the wall stands tall but the waves are tremendous her wall still stands but it is not as tall it is not as strong there are cracks in the cement and some rocks have rolled away Diyote sighs she picks up a rock and places it back on the wall time to rest
0: It's predicted that many of Kiribati's islands will be gone within 50 years. The outlook is similar for many other Pacific countries. No nation can face that alone. The question is, will people be forced from their homelands or can the islands adapt by fortifying coastlines and raising islands? More pressingly, can those adaptations happen faster than sea levels will rise? And what if they don't happen fast enough? What would we lose if we lost
1: those islands? Um, We lose Indigenous culture. Like, it's just, it's so important. They're the holders of stories of people and history. So, you know, to lose it, it's not just me losing family. It's, like, (laughs) to think of it on a really big scale... Indigenous culture is so um, from the heart and it is the heart and soul of the human race. So, you know, it's just, why would we want to lose that? Why would we want to threaten that? What does it all mean if we're not looking after the, the people that belong to the
0: land? Like in 2011... Marita's faced with the loss of her country and her culture. This time, the threat is ever-present. And this time, it's a culture that's in the deepest fabric of her being, one she shares with her own children. Kiribas is a land Marita is indigenous to, a land where her grandmother once climbed a coconut tree to escape a big wave. A land where her ancestors still rest.
1: Diote will build her wall so big that water can't splash into her house. Diote and Kairo work all day in the hot, hot sun. After many hours, Diote and Kairo stand back and look at Diote's wall. She is very proud. Her wall is tall. Her wall is is strong. strong. That
2: was the voice of E. Kiribati Australian woman Bobby McCumba from Threshold's Flying Canoe Experience. Bobby's also the host of ABC Radio Australia's new programme. Stories from the Pacific, which you can listen to on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Marita Davies for sharing her story. The soundscapes and Kiribati music you heard in this episode are thanks to the Flying Canoe Experience. It features performances from members of the Kiribati diaspora living and working in Victoria. This episode of Days Like These was created on Ngunnawal and Nambri country. Our reporter was Alice Matthews. Our sound engineer is Hamish Camilleri. Our executive producer is Sophie Townsend. The Days Like These team are busy cooking up new stories, but while you're waiting, you should know we've got an extensive back catalogue. We've got pirates, mountain climbers, dog rescuers, musicians and comedians. There are stories about romance romance. Escaping war, reunions, even getting struck by lightning. You know, everyday life, everyday people, and the day where everything changed. You can hear it right here or in the ABC Listen app. I'm Father Draki, and I'll see you next time.
0: You've been listening to an ABC podcast.